What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of the Lukewarm Games Podcast, your weekly source for unique perspectives on all things video games and pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and I'm once again joined by the Cordyceps coordinator of Animal Crossing, Claire Helmberger. <laughs> hey, Luke, how's it going? It's going pretty good. How are you? What did you think of that moniker I, I, this week? You know, I thought it made it sound like I was in charge of Yeah, the, you're organizing okay. the, the outbreak. No, Yeah, I, yeah, I'm the... <laughs> Honestly, I was just trying to think of an alliter- alliterative word to That's go with fair. cortisep. Everyone knows that alliteration is the best. It's always, it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Speaking of rolling off the tongue, there are going to be a lot of well-said phrases and conversations at our PAX panel yeah. happening on March 25th. If you're attending PAX East or interested in watching live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PAX3, on March 25th at 6 p.m. in the Dragonfly Theater, you can see the ultimate video game music showdown as I and friends of the show battle it out to determine what is the ultimate video game musical score or soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We're di- going to discuss why video game music is important to us. We're going to listen to awesome audio clips of some of our favorite games of all time and their music. And it's just going to be really, really awesome. Yeah, there's going to be audience participation. Our, I, not to be outdone, will also be there. You will be on technical support yes. <laughs> and good vibes support. I, I will be as on good always. vibes. Um, yeah, we station. have friends of the show: um, Jacob McCourt, Cam Hawkins, Matt Storm, Celia Schilling, and Alex Van Aken joining. So it's going to be a, a stacked. Oh, stacked yeah. panel. I'm really awesome. excited. Yeah. Me so too. check that out. Like I said, you can watch it live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash PAX3. Follow my Twitter and you can hear all of the details. Yeah. That's happening in one week from tomorrow Ooh. as of this recording, which is really crazy. It is. But, it, it, it came up fast. But super excited. Yeah. So enough announcements, enough other things. We have an exciting show. We're Entertainment focused with a video game tinge this week. Um, we'll be discussing HBO's The Last of Us. We have watched all of season one, so we are going to recap all mm-hmm. of our thoughts. We'll start with some spoiler free impressions and then we'll get all into spoilers. We had a brief discussion, I believe, after episode one. I think it was really brief, though. Yeah, just a quick, just like, a, a- high level what we thought of it. Um, so it'll be nice to dig into a little bit of detail. Yeah. Obviously, if you want super, super high episode by episode breakdown, I'd highly recommend friends of the show, Katie, Travis, and Jacob host a wonderful show, Cutscenes, a video game, movie, and TV podcast. Ton of fun. They did week to week episode Mm -hmm. breakdowns going through all of their thoughts each episode so that's that was a really fun one to check out yeah, as well absolutely that said we're such big last of us fans we couldn't not talk about our takes yeah um so i'm excited to get to that but before we do that let's jump into we've got the news our weekly news segment where we break down what's happening in the games industry and entertainment industry and in this in the case of this week's episode a little crossover entertainment and video game event um, but our new story comes to us from Game Informer's own Wesley LeBlanc, Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn to direct DCEU's Superman Legacy. Earlier this year, James Gunn and Peter Safran, both co-CEOs of DC Studios, revealed the lineup for the DC Cinematic Universe's first chapter, dubbed Gods and Monsters. 
One of those projects is a new Superman movie called Superman Legacy. At the time of the movie's announcement, it was rumored that Gunn was going to direct it, but it wasn't confirmed. However, Saffron said personally, he personally hoped Gunn would direct it. Yesterday, Gunn confirmed on Twitter that he will, in fact, direct Superman Legacy with a heartfelt post. Yes, I am directing Superman Legacy to be released on July 11th, 2025, Gunn wrote in a tweet. My brother Matt told me when he saw the release date, he started to cry. I asked him why. He said, dude, it's dad's birthday. I hadn't realized I lost my dad almost three years ago. He was my best friend. He didn't understand me as a kid, but he supported my love of comics and my love of film. I wouldn't be making this movie without him. It's been a long road to this point. I was offered Superman years ago. I initially said no because I didn't have a way in that felt unique and fun and emotional that gave Superman the dignity he deserved. Then a little bit less than a year ago, I saw a way in, many in many ways centered around Superman's heritage, both how his aristocratic Kryptonian parents and his Kansas City farm, farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes. So I chose to finally take on writing the script, but I was hesitant to direct despite the constant pestering by Peter Safran and others to commit. Sorry, Peter. But just because I write something doesn't mean I feel it in my bones visually and emotionally enough to spend over two years directing it, not something of this magnitude. But long, the long and short of it is, I love this script, and I'm always incredibly excited as we begin this journey. Hashtag up, up, and away. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Um, as a big Superman fan, I am incredibly excited to hear this news. Claire, where are you at with it? I think that this is really exciting. You know, I think that... Um... It's it's great to hear that it sounds like he has an emotional connection after writing the script. And, uh, of course, we really, you know, we love Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that he did a really good thing with the Suicide Squad. You know, number two. Uh, second swing at it that they took. For sure. Um, And so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what, what comes of this. But I know that you have a really long history with Superman. So how do you feel about this? Yeah, I was. This was the most exciting announcement to me of this new era of DCEU. Um, just the fact that Gunn was writing it, but I think the fact that he's writing and directing it is a really great sign. I think his recent projects, like you said, Guardians, um, Suicide Squad, and more recently, The Peacemaker Show on HBO Max, I just think he has a really. I think solid understanding of comic book lore and just tells really fun, compelling stories Mm -hmm. and makes interesting characters that feel authentic and likable and he always involves really great music and just such a cool style and vibe yeah so i'm excited for i also feel like generally even like his darker sided films like suicide squad have a comedic tinge to it and have a level of fun and a level of like popcorn movie to it that i feel like we've kind of been missing with Superman, as much as I like Henry Cavill as an actor, and I think he did a solid job as Superman, I just, it just never felt like a Superman movie to me, what I wanted it to be, you know? Like, I just think there's so much heart and there's so much hope and, like, levity to Superman that I'm excited to see depicted, hopefully, in James Gunn's story. And I like the idea of kind of like a young adult Superman. That, yeah. That feels like a good time period to start. It's not an origin story, but it's not like super late in his life like he's still kind of figuring things out learning to be superman and striking this balance between his two heritage i i just i love superman as a character and i feel like he gets written off as like kind of one note a lot of Mm -hmm. like oh he's unstoppable unless there's kryptonite like there's just a lot of dimensions to the character and like i think it can be 
his character can be very symbolic to humanity and there's a lot of really cool superman comic book runs that i i hope will be kind of tapped into here yeah definitely it's very exciting excited but that is so so far away let's talk about (laughs) something we have watched very recently as of this recording so let's discuss our title track main topic this week hbo's the last of us season one review nine episodes i gotta say it's been such a joy the Mm. last nine weeks having appointment viewing on sunday and that appointment being um, appointment viewing being the last of us like what a what a cool thing kind of zooming out from it but i'm really curious claire to hear Let's start with our kind of spoiler-free overall impressions of the show, what we thought. We're both huge fans of the game. Obviously, that's what started this podcast was a spoiler cast for Last of Us Part 2 because we needed an outlet of somewhere to talk about. And I had always wanted to start a podcast and you were the inspiration and we had a great time with it. And we talked about Last of Us on many a show over the years. But and we've also talked about like predictions for this show on many a show. So I... We've seen it, all nine episodes. What were your thoughts without giving things away for folks that maybe haven't watched it yet? Yeah, um, I thought it was great. I thought they did an amazing job of adapting the source material. Um, I think that anytime you go from one medium to another, it's really easy to kind of lose things in that translation. But I think they um, did a fantastic job and in some instances even elevated the source material. And so I was just really really happy with how it all turned out I think that the cast in particular was amazing everyone did a fantastic job and um yeah I was just really pleasantly surprised by how well they did because as we know a lot of video game being adapted into movies or tv show often doesn't go super well and that was not the case here but what about you yeah, definitely similar place. I I absolutely adored this ad- adaption of the show. Um, I think I was skeptical when it was first announced, but throughout the production and news coming out, as soon as Neil Druckmann was announced to be heavily involved, um, the casting started to come out. It just really felt like such an intentional approach to su- this treasured game franchise for me. And so... Throughout the season, I only became more and more convinced that we were really in for such a treat. And I would say, generally speaking, with each episode, I just became more and more invested in the story. And I think as a huge fan of the game, I played the game multiple, multiple times, but it was really fun to be pleasantly surprised and caught off guard with how they approached certain story moments and how they added additional context to different characters that... I think if you had told me originally that they changed certain plot elements, I would have been like up in arms. But in context of this show, I think they made so many smart writing decisions and fleshed out so many characters. I think of episode three, um, the Bill and Frank episode. Without spoilers. As just an example of going deeper into an untouched narrative in a sense. Like yeah. we knew of those two characters in the game. You meet Bill in the game, but it's just such a cool kind of vignette of an episode that in any yeah. other season of a show would have been a, felt like a filler episode, but it just felt like it fleshed out the world so much and the performances were incredible. And um, yeah, I just was absolutely blown away by this show 
through and through. It stuck the landing perfectly. And I think I listened to um, Troy Baker hosted a companion podcast with HBO where he, after each episode, interviewed the showrunners, Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin. And I think listening to that and listening to their thought process as they made the show is really, really cool. And it was awesome to kind of hear their thought process behind where they chose to stay faithful to the game and where they chose to expand and make kind of different choices. And I think, to be honest, I think they nailed it and they made excellent choices. And I can't wait to see how they tackle season two, because I think once again, without getting into spoilers in this section, um, there's so much to unpack in season two and subsequent seasons of the show. Cause it's announced that they they're going to do multiple seasons for part two. Yeah. So I'm just, we can kind of towards the end of our conversation, make some predictions there, but I'm just incredibly excited for what we received and what's to come. And I, I hope this inspires other studios to look at video games as a potential medium for really high quality um, adaptions, whether it's in film or television. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Any other like quick thoughts? I think high level, if you've never played The Last of Us, if you've never experienced The Last of Us, highly recommend checking out the show. If you adore the games like we do and you've been kind of trepidatious at this point, definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you have friends or family or loved ones that have never seen or played The Last of Us, like check out the show with them. I think it's a really yeah. fun experience I had. Oh, yeah co-workers and friends that had never played the game that watched the show and it was really fun week to week kind of having those conversations yeah. and hearing their predictions and hearing their takes and what stuck out to them and what resonated with them and all that stuff yeah definitely it's definitely worth the subscription even if it's just for a month while you oh, yeah. watch the show and it's a pretty like concise nine episodes you yeah. know what i mean like i can't they pack a lot in there it, I'll be interested to see. I really want to rewatch the show at some point, but I kind of want to sit with it for a while. But it'll be interesting to see how it feels like maybe binging the show. But because yeah. I really enjoyed the week to week and I really liked kind of sitting with each episode in a meaningful way. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, at a little over 14 minutes in, we're going to put up the big spoiler warning. So if you don't want to know anything about The Last of Us Season 1, please. Um, save this episode until you've watched the show and for the sake of just I think having a engaging conversation let's say spoilers up for last of us part one and part and, two of the, yeah, game, the game just for I you know gotta be caught up on all your last I of think, us content I here, think people. we've we've played DLC. so much last of us and I I don't want to worry about it so let's have an open conversation yes. for folks that have watched the show and are familiar with last of us otherwise save it for a future date Anyway, let's get into it. So, Claire, kicking things off in the spoiler zone, I'm curious what were some of your favorite moments, what episodes stuck out to you, what characters stuck out to you, what what, what was really resonating with you throughout these episodes? Um, I think that the Bill and Frank episode really sticks out in my mind. Oh, God, it's so good. It's, so it's good. heartbreaking and beautiful. God, it's such a good episode of television. And then I also really loved the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. So I've been... Um, playing last of us part one yeah yeah and i was kind of in far, tandem with the show well, i was pretty far, far behind the show but i got caught up for the last two episodes and then for half of the episode before the left behind episode so the those moments i had played the game just before watching right. the show so i was able was to kind experience? of com- like kind of 
doing it in tandem. It was incredible to just notice the ways that things were exactly the same because you can watch something and then you played the game like a few years ago or whatever and be like, hey, sure. that's kind of how I remember it. Like that, that yeah. seems really close. But to have just played it like hours Super or days fresh. before, it's... it was like, no, the, the delivery and like the the like cinematography and the camera angles like is spot on or like the this this scene the um the location they chose to film at with these mountains in the background looks just like how it was in the game or what or whatever um so that was really cool um and it was also cool to notice the ways where they maybe shifted a line or did something slightly different to either like make it m- make more sense in the context of the world or you know to give a little bit of explanation that was lacking from the game or um you know to make it make more sense as a show rather than a video game um but yeah it was really cool to see that and they the last two episodes are very very faithful to the game like very little has changed so that was interesting yeah for sure i i only played we played before the first episode we played the opening kind of hour right. or so yeah. of part one going into the show and that was really fun i kind of fell off the game just because i got busy with other work things and other games that i'm playing at the moment for review and things but i'm excited to go back and play through all of part one again um after seeing all of the show i think that'll yeah. be a really fun experience too Definitely. but yeah going back to the bill and frank episode for a second i think that one stands as my favorite episode as well. And I think it just really caught me off guard. I just wasn't expecting to be so taken by that episode, but I think um, I'm going to pull up the cast list just so I can reference it. But um, Nick Offerman who plays Bill and then Murray Bartlett who plays Frank, I think give like performance career defining performances in that episode. And I, it's just so cool how in, you know, that 90 minute episode, we just get to see decades of a beautiful relationship and a life together. And I think it only adds to um, Ellie and Joel's story because it it once again is like another representation of love within this like dark world. And it it's 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 beautiful and happy and it hasn't ultimately really sad ending but it's also like kind of beautiful in a way that they got to experience this life together and they felt like they each had a purpose because of their love for one another and i loved all the like the doomsday prepper stuff with bill and how frank wanted to like bring beauty to the world and paint and re up the shops and they just fleshed out those characters yeah in such and a beautiful the way. connection with joel and tess coming in i thought was really cool as well of like frank wanted to befriend them and bill was really apprehensive about it and kind of that struggle was really really cool um yeah, yeah i just thought that episode was amazing the strawberry scene i think the strawberry scene in that episode is like right up there with like the draft scene and the finale and yeah. a sense of like how emotional and beautiful that whole whole arc was but yeah i was just bawling throughout that episode yeah. just crying <laughs> and it was also really special because it definitely it did feel like the last of us but it was completely new content within this mm-hmm. world um but it also felt like really faithful to the the narrative at its core which is all about finding your family and finding love in a world that it is really full of violence and horrors yeah that episode also stuck out to me because the ending of that episode really differed from what we saw in the game, you know, in 
in the show we saw Bill and Frank essentially commit suicide together. Right. Um, and go out together, whereas in the game, Frank got fed up with Bill, ultimately left, he got bitten, and then he killed himself. But Frank was, or Bill was left alone, bitter. And they just, they went such a different direction with it, but in context, I just feel like this feels really true to the characters. It felt really powerful in the moment, and I, I think it did more for the story than the yeah. original I definitely agree. way it was written, which I think speaks volumes to the show that, like, this is the de- definitive Bill and Frank to right. me. Yeah, and this absolutely. is, like, in my mind, canon for how it really went down. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, I definitely think it's canon at this point. Um, I think that I was playing this, you know, the section of the game, Mm -hmm. And um, I also think that this episode does so much more for the world building. For sure. And this fantastic way of... And it it did take the time to explain, like, why this city was completely safe, why it wasn't, you know, a wasteland like everywhere else. Um, But it also kind of showed almost, like, what sort of measures it takes to make that happen. Like, Mm -hmm. in this section of the game, there's no area of the city that's completely safe. Bill has secured the church, but everywhere around it, there are... There are all sorts of infected walking around. There are traps everywhere. You have to be very careful. Everything. That whole element was really cool too. And then yeah. like how he we didn't talk about how he found Frank in, in one of his traps. traps. And yeah. that whole exchange was really awesome. But there's but there's also like in the game it's just like everything's in ruin. Their their living space consists of two mattresses on a floor. Um and in the show you see that they've they've spent sixteen years together building this beautiful place. It's like oasis which makes sense within this yeah it does make sense doomsday prepper mentality because if you've been if you've been spending 20 years in the same place why would you just have a mattress on the floor you know what i mean but it makes it feel like it's lived in and yeah yeah um so i thought that that was just really thoughtful and you see that throughout the game they're really thinking about or sorry throughout the show they're really thinking about what it would feel like to live in this world for sure and kind of making that come alive so, yeah, I think that's one of the things the show did really well. Yeah, another episode that really stuck out to me as well was um, Sam and Henry's yeah. episodes. Because um, it's kind of a two-part, essentially. Um, but incredible performances by both of them. I loved that they chose to do the plot element where Sam was deaf. And he kind of had to rely on Henry. I just thought that made a ton of sense for the character and I thought it was really great representation for the deaf community and it just really worked for me with the within the narrative of the show. Yeah, I also thought um, it was interesting how they aged him down, Sam. He was yeah, quite a bit younger. Yeah, he he was and I I thought it his relation Sam's relationship with Ellie in that episode was really beautiful yeah. and I thought Bella did a really great performance and um Kevon Woodward is the actor that played Sam like they're they're childlike wonderment and when they're going through ish's sewer and they end up in the, the yeah, school and area together. and they're playing together and yeah i just re- i really loved that episode and in that episode also we get one of the bigger action scenes of the show where we get yeah. to see a bloater we get to see all the infected come out from that was under, a very underground cool and we get this the sni- the callback to the sniper yeah level in the game and those were the moments that I thought the show did really, really well where it was a callback to the game and we got to see a bit of action, but it was handled in such a cool cinematic way. Cause 
I saw online a lot of folks had the criticism that there wasn't enough infected in the show. There wasn't I enough action. Really? Yes. You really think that? Yes. I just strongly disagree, but I'm interested to hear your take. I just think that um, I understand that the game, the infected are there as a combat situation that you, an obstacle you have to overcome. Sure. And it doesn't make sense to have that in the show. But I do think that. But they have that in the show. As much. I do think that there's a distinct lack of, like, the, in the game, the infected are an ever-present sort of entity, and no matter what is happening in the story, there's always that threat of them there, and it just makes it feel like the, the, the like, like we talk about Bill and Frank's, yeah. you know, oasis that they've created, and just, like, the lengths they have to go to to have even sort of some peace um, and I feel like the first few episodes, we really saw that. But then once we were out in the wilderness, it was just like, oh, they just aren't infected around here as much. Or we just pick them up. And they just seem like less of a threat. And I think that that makes the end a little bit less significant of it's like, no, really, actually, nowhere is safe. And that could really be ended. But it's not. And that's a, a like, it just, I kind of, I think it affected the gravity of Jules' choice in the end. Oh, huh, interesting. I... I kind of felt the opposite in the sense that I felt like the limited encounters made the encounters they did have that much more impactful and that much more suspenseful. Like I felt the tension because when they chose to ratchet it up, it did feel tense. Like I think about, I believe it was episode two where Tess gets bitten and you get the museum clicker battle like that felt as tense to me as when you're walking in the museum in the game trying to evade clickers. So like Yeah, I, no, I think that the first four, five episodes, but then after we they got out of Kansas City, they just were not well, infected. But I would argue though that there are fewer infected in that section of the game. Like if you think about when they go to the dam and and try to help Tommy in Jackson originally, they're fighting humans at the power plant. Similar thing at the university, there is a little bit of an infected section in that, but like that section of the game, in all fairness, is pretty, pretty thin. Yes and no, because I think that they also in the game ramp up the difficulty of those sections, so there aren't as many, maybe, but there also are like in the the scene in the game where Ellie is talking to David. Yeah. There's this whole fight where there are probably like 100 infected running at you and they're supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere in one of these areas where there just aren't, you know, that they're not as much of a threat. There are a ton of infected and there are a bunch in the university. There are like four bloaters in the university. So I just it's think just that... to me, those feel like gameplay hooks and less like impactful narrative. I moments. don't think I, I understand that. I understand your point about how it feels impactful when they're like that, that scene in Kansas city in the, in the show where they all come out at once was incredible. And yeah, they can't do that every episode. I just think think that felt incredible because there weren't that many moments like, I just think they didn't need to all be like that, but they could have at least been like, Oh, here's infected. We gotta, we gotta sneak around and just like nod to the fact that they are in fact there and they are a problem, but it doesn't have to be a combat or an action sequence. It can just be like a recognition that they're there. Um, or seeing them or like hearing the clicker sound and then they just like walk around or whatever. Cause there's plenty of moments in the game where you do sneak past. Yeah. The infected. I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I feel differently, but I definitely see where you're coming from. I would also throw out though, that like, if you really think about the last of us, like 
to me, the bigger threat in Last of Us is humanity itself, in a sense. Like, yes, they are combating clickers. Yes, being infected is, like, the worst possible outcome. But if you think about, like, the evil that Ellie has to overcome with David and his people, or, um, I forget the name of the group, but Kathleen's character in the show that is going after Sam, Sam, they're like the, the people's something is the name of it in the game. I'm totally blanking on it. But anyway, the people that overthrew Fedra in Kansas city and in the show, to me, those are like kind of the threats and it's like, it's more symbolic. I guess what I'm saying is like, for me personally, it felt like the perfect amount of action that enhance the narrative i never felt tired of the action and it always felt special when it happened yeah i just think that we could have used more of a a, a display you just of want why, like a constant of, threat right just a display more. of like why it was really so important for this cure to happen and i think that the, the thing that the game shows us quite a few times is like yeah there's fedra and there's the fireflies and there's the hunters and there's all these groups of people doing evil things and fighting each other but at the end of the day they're all equally victims to the infected. And there are multiple moments where, like, people are fighting. It's like, oh, shit, the infected are here. And then everything just gets wiped out. Like, in the in the yeah. Kansas City section where they're, like, they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And then the infected come and none of it matters anymore. And so I think that's, like, kind of just displaying that, like, yeah, there are all these problems with these different factions in humanity. But maybe we could start to come sort of unravel all that trickiness if we could just beat this infection thing, but as long as it's as long as cordyceps is going around it and we can't fight it, we're never gonna be able to put society back together again. And I think that added to yeah. the urgency of Ellie needing to give the cure as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying that I think a little bit more of that urgency would have helped make the choice at the end of more significant. Because I think in the show, it it seemed like it was easier to side with Joel. For me, at least, I think. Because it was like... I, I will say the takes I've seen online from folks who had no experience with the game... A, a fair, and here's the thing. Like, the ending is always going to be divisive, and that's yeah, kind of the intentional the point. point. Like, it's supposed to promote discussion, which I think is why we're having even this discussion right, right now. Like, it, it's, it's cool to see it in different ways and, like, interpret it in different ways and feel passionately about one way or the other. That said, um, there have been a, f- a fair number of folks online that I've seen that kind of took issue with the ending, not necessarily because of what Joel did, but just how quick of a flip it was. Like how he went from, we got to get you to the cure, or we got to get you so you can give the cure, or, we got to get you to give the cure. But as soon as it became, you're going to kill Ellie, no, everyone has to die. Like yeah. that flip, I think, felt really sudden for folks. For me... And for you, I we were expecting it. We right. knew it was coming. So for me, once again, this is another example of where I felt like the sparse violence was re- used really well because when it did happen, it immediately created that tension. And to me, Pedro's performance as Joel throughout the season was so impeccable because we went on this emotional journey with him. We felt the heartbreak of losing his daughter, Sarah. We felt 
his trepidation towards taking care of Ellie on her journey. We felt him fall in love with Ellie and struggle with the thought of losing her and having this fear of losing her and letting her down and then ultimately coming to terms with he loves Ellie like his own daughter. And so for me, when that violence kicks in in that sparing moment, it just makes that moment that much more powerful and that much more visceral. And that moment's fucking brutal in the show. Like... I would argue almost more brutal than the game in a sense because, like, when the game gets violent in those instances, I think it kind of shows that, that, like, oh, yep, this is a video game. Like, the David section that you referenced when you're fighting tens and dozens of enemies. Like, so that's why I felt like the show elevated a lot of the plot for me in certain ways. I think that the the final episode of the show and, and that sequence in the hospital did a really great job of... Um, the like capturing the visceralness because I think the thing that like the game does so well is that you really feel your actions and yeah. you're like, oh shit, this is totally. like this is fucked up and I don't want to be doing this. Well, but I am. he's killing so many people and, and you have to so watch it violently. Yeah. you have to do it. You're the one doing it. And I think the thing that that in the game there are all these combat situations and this is not the first time you go around fucking machete sledgehammering people's faces sure. off but and all the other times you were doing it because they were trying to kill you and Ellie and they were trying to um, and they were killing lots of innocent people um they were cannibals you know or infected um but in this case like these are the people you spent the entire game trying to get to right. these are the good guys right. these are the people you've been rooting for this whole time this is the people who you find their body somewhere and you're like oh shit they died that's bad and now you're the one doing it and you also know that i mean you find out more later on the extent to how dire the situation is but you you know as you're doing it like there are not a lot of these guys left right this is this is kind of it for the fireflies at this point and there they go (laughs) you know yeah and you're the one doing it and i think that the show captured that really well so i think too i this has sparked the discussion again of did joel make the right choice do you agree with the choice joel made and i i love having this discussion in a sense that there is no right or wrong answer like you can i craig mazin said it best on the companion podcast they did for the finale with hbo and he said that he can make damn good arguments for both sides yeah and i think that just speaks to the quality of the writing that the motivations are clear for why joel did it and you can 100 percent understand but you can also be furious right at the and lack of humanity and heartbroken over his choice to kill so many innocent people and the just like the the soullessness of him even killing unarmed people. You know what I mean? People who are giving up, people who are running away, and he's just like, no, you gotta die. I have one objective, and it's to save Ellie. And it's just... It's heartbreaking. It's, in a way, beautiful. Not the killing is not beautiful, but, like, to see him ultimately just want to be there for Ellie. Right. And, like, his love for Ellie, I think, is beautiful, but the way he goes about it is very problematic, yeah. to say the least, but... It's very interesting, because when you break it down to its bare elements, it really is just the trolley problem. Yeah, that's... That was... Craig Mazin referenced that on the podcast, in fact, actually. I'm curious, like... I mean, where, where personally do you land with that debate of... Do you agree with Joel? Would you have done it differently? What What do you I think What do you feel? The thing that's interesting about the trolley problem is that the answer is obviously you try to save more people, but the the but are you able to? 
can right. you make that call when right. someone you love is staring you in the face? And I think that the show and the game elevate that problem in such a way where it's not it's also not just about can Joel let Ellie die to save humanity even though it's what she probably would have wanted. It's about how he can't lose her. You know what I mean? Like he's right. like he cannot there isn't handle a choice it. in his he, mind. And he it's lost not a his choice. daughter it's, and he's not gonna do that again. Yeah. You just physically cannot. Um and so there's that element of it too. Um the thing that I think was really interesting, I found this, um, you know, the show is being watched by people who never played the game, who aren't video game people. Sure. So we're getting a lot of people uh, commenting on it that we're not the target audience of the game. Right. Uh, so I actually was reading through a very interesting Reddit thread um, full of uh, surgical interns, residents, and like people who were actually oh, trained to be really? surgeons in real life. And, and, they were, and they were all just like how completely fucked up and unethical is it for this random doctor who might not even actually be a pediatric neurosurgeon, which is, like, the rarest specialty in the world, to, to just, like, not ask for um, consent from the patient, to not do blood work first. Um, in the game, we saw that um, at the university that they had been actually cultivating cordyceps samples in test subjects for years, yeah. decades, and they had, like, brain scans, and then in the hospital, you saw brains, Ellie's brain scans, and you saw that they had done that, but it wasn't in the show, so these, sure. they were like, did they even take a CT? Because I would have taken it, a CT. It's it was really interesting. It's interesting you bring that up, because I think that was my only, it's not a critique, because I don't think it detracts from the overall finale, but the one thing I would have liked to see Ellie's perspective once she's taken in by the fireflies. Like, right, yeah. Do they talk to her? I thought they her? might do that. Do they say anything? Is she just immediately knocked out and put under? Like, I would have loved to see kind of her side of the events because you get to play Joel's side in the right. game, so we know what happens there. I ultimately like where they went. I think they yeah. were faithful to the game, and I think if they had gone too far off the beaten path with this ending, I think it wouldn't have... I think the ending of The Last of Us is one of those, like, perfect endings right. in a sense of, like, Apparently, it sparks discussion, it leaves it in such an interesting place, and, like, yeah. I wouldn't have wanted it either way, any other way. That said, I would have liked to see just, like, a minute yeah. or two of Ellie's perspective. You know, they, perspective. Um, they were toying with doing a slightly different version of the ending where yes. there was more of a rift in between And Joel they and kind Ellie. of walked away, but yeah. kind of distanced. Um, I think that the thing that was really interesting... Um, to think about is that if, because in both the game and the show, Ellie, well, in the, in the game, Ellie was conscious when they were taken in and then knocked unconscious, mm -hmm. but it's, she, they, but Marlene said they didn't tell her anything. They just told her they were going to run some tests and then they knocked her out, right. which first of all, no, <laughs> that's fucked up. Um, and I think that kind of makes it easier to make the argument of, like, these fireflies are some shitty motherfuckers if they're just going to knock her out and not ask for her consent and then kill her. Um, I do think it but, was cool to see Marlene's yeah, perspective. And absolutely. I thought um, uh, Merle Dandridge, is yeah. that her last name? Yeah, Dandridge. She does a really great performance. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Definitely. Um, it's all good. Um, but, yeah, I do think it would have significantly changed the narrative if we had seen... Ellie um give that consent because the whole thing in the in the especially the second game is we see her grapple with like she she would have wanted that 
And Joel mm-hmm. and the Marlene's like, Joel, you know that she would want this. But we don't actually know that she has made that choice. And so it's that always like a Yeah, the ambiguity is really I think important. The, yeah. Um and I think that if Joel was like if she had made the choice and said, No, I'll die for this, it's okay, you can have my brain tissue, this is what I want and Joel was like, I don't care. I'm killing everyone and taking you out of here anyway. Right. That it's a little bit different. Sure. It's it's really, really close to being the same thing, but it's not quite the same yeah, thing. Yeah, of course. Um, once again, doubling back to the fact that it's really shady of the fire. And now I'm <laughs> and now I'm backed by actual experts who are in the medical field. There it's you go. really shady of them to uh, just decide to kill her. It yeah, it, it's shady. It's it's tough though because it's like. Ellie wants to help the cure, but I don't think Ellie necessarily knows she's going to die as a result of it. But I think she definitely knows when Joel, she wakes up in the truck that shady shit, bad shit went down and it wasn't just a, Oh, it didn't work. Oh, you know, like she's definitely on to Joel and what a powerful moment when she says, okay, after she basically asks, did you lie? Did you lie? Did you kill all those people? Did you do this? That said, I want to, Oh, sorry. Finish I, your I thought, and then thought. I want to double yeah. back, because there are a couple other moments yeah. throughout the finale that I want to talk about. The idea, though, I think that is really enhanced. It's it's my second playthrough of the game. I was like, oh, this is what's going on. Um, because my first playthrough, it jumps from David to they're walking, and Ellie's just being really quiet. But Joel points out that she's being unusually quiet. And in your brain, you're like, oh, it's just because she's recovering from the David stuff. But he says she's unusually quiet, and they've been walking for a couple months since the David stuff. So I'm thinking they're about to get to the hospital, and she is understanding that this is probably going to be her last day on Earth. I think she knows that she might hmm. she might be... I could, to sacrifice I could see that herself. to some extent, yeah. Um, and there's this, like, I think she solemnity. knows at least things are going to be different, right. and it won't be the same. And this, like, afterwards we can go wherever you want or whatever. The way and that is like, said, oh, uh, the, way, sure. the, way, the way that is said is just, like, it's just wishful thinking. And, like, it's been that same tinge the entire time I've said, after this is all done, we can go wherever we want, because the idea of just being able to hope for that. But they're so close at this point, like, they know, they're pretty sure they're going to get there because they've overcome so much. So now it's the the thinking that I think that she knows that she might die going through this. I definitely think part of it, too, is PTSD that she's dealing with after everything that happened with David. Like, that's definitely an element. The writers have confirmed that, just saying. No, no, I definitely think um, that that's true. I I think think you're right, too, that there's a tinge of... Unusually quiet today. It's just, like, a little hint of how she's... There's a somber tone to it all, which is... This is a good segue into the other part that I wanted to bring up that we hadn't talked about yet, but... This leads into the draft sequence, and this was a highly anticipated Beautiful. one of mine to see how they were going to pull it off in live action, and just incredible. Yeah. And then after watching it to learn that was a real draft that they were feeding, that they- Oh, really? You didn't know that? No, I thought it was CG. No, no, no. It's a real draft. They went to the Calgary Zoo, and they, they had this crazy blue screen technology set up, so essentially like the like concrete wall in front of them and everything- on the field in front of them, that's all blue green screen technology. But the draft itself is the a draft, real draft itself is a real draft that they're feeding, and so they acted cool. the hell out of that scene with green. It, I I say green screen because that's the technology, but it literally was blue. I've seen pictures right. and footage of the the behind the scenes stuff, and it just looked in. It's so good in the show, and to see little nods to it, I saw one of the. 
artists for the game posted that on the because it's a field like a baseball field and on the scoreboard it says um his wife's name it's like claire bethany something and they kept that in the show oh and he thought that was such a cool he was blown away at that little detail that he made a little Easter egg for his family within and the it, game, and, and then it, it carried really over cool. into the mainstay of the show. And I just thought their performances in this scene were really well done. Yeah. And to come out of kind of the darkness of David's episode, um, to see Ellie laughing again, and you can see how happy Joel is to see, like, yeah. Ellie's still in there. She's not gone. She hasn't lost her love of life. And uh, it's just such a beautiful scene. Right. I was tearing up, and it... Ugh. And that that's so they did so such good. a good job and it was just so close to the game, like picture perfect. It was incredible. It's my favorite moment in gaming and it was my favorite moment in this show. It yeah. just it was beautifully done. Just Absolutely. Chef's kiss <laughs> in every sense. Yeah, no, it was incredible. And I think that um that like juxtaposition of the darkness of David's episode, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think it's also really interesting how there is this flip when we get to the final episode and the section of the game as well, where now Ellie's the reserved one and Joel's the one who's trying to make jokes and ask questions about, you know, the future and, you know, start conversation. And he's talking openly about Sarah. Yeah. Um, especially in the, the last scene. And I just think that it, it really shows that not only how, how, how he's healed, but also that he's like now going out of his way to to try to heal her the way that he knows how, which is the way that she taught him. For sure. Because she healed him by doing that exact same thing, and now he's trying to do it mm-hmm. for her. And I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, doubling back a little bit, I know we're like kind of ping ponging around with episode discussion, but we haven't talked about the Left Behind episode. Um, and I just so thought good. Storm Reed as Riley and Bella as Ellie did incredible performances in that episode. It was cool to get kind of a lead in to the left behind story that referenced American dream, the graphic novel and different things. And you just got to see a little bit of like daily life in Fedra school for Ellie, which I thought was really awesome. And the, the shot of the lights coming in in the mall and how they recreated this mall in Canada I just thought was incredibly done. Yeah. The arcade was amazing. Seeing Mortal Kombat 2. So, so cool. So, so beautiful. Um, their, you know, long, young love story I thought was like expertly captured. And it had the same fun and whimsy and beauty yeah. as the game. And yeah, that was a really special episode as well. Which, once again, similar to the Bill and Frank episode in a sense that like, in any other show, that would feel like filler, but it just feels so right. special and so can interconnected, and you, it fleshes out Ellie as a character so much more and adds so much context to what she's been through and how she's experienced loss, and yeah, you get to see her get bitten, which is like and her reaction intrinsic to, that, to the plot, yeah, really, and so, and they don't show it, but they do in the game, and kind of you know what happens if Riley turns. Ellie doesn't. Ellie has to kill her. Right. And just like grappling with that, those mature themes. I, I just thought it was really, really incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we didn't talk, you shouted it out, but the David episode was also really, really well done. Yeah. And seeing Troy Baker perform in that one. Um, the acting in that was really good and it was yeah, very close yeah. to the, uh, to the game. 
favorite moment in that one for me was the scene where Ellie breaks David's finger and he ref- she refuses to tell him his her name up until that yeah. point. And then she's like, Ellie. And he's like, what? And he's like, you can tell him the little girl's name is Ellie. Ellie's the, the name of the little, little girl, girl who, who broke, broke your, your fucking finger. finger. And It was God, just like in the game. It was the great. Way, and like the scene where she kills David, ultimately like the performance from Bella there, like her face great. is just everything. Like she doesn't have to say anything to have that. She just captures it so perfectly in the... The baby girl line from from Pedro yeah. as Joel, oh, it, it it got me and it was perfect and it was awesome and we also didn't talk about the cold opening of um, the finale with Ashley Johnson oh, as yeah. Ellie's mom. Like, what a beautiful, amazing way to pay homage to Ashley Johnson, creating yeah, that character that and bringing that character to life. In such a way, well, I mean, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley created the character, but, like, she created it through her performance, she you know what I mean? Like, embodied yeah. the character, yeah. And so, to see her get to come back and be a part of this, and then it, it was so cool to, like, hear her, like, voice and grunts and yells and things, and it's just like, oh my god, that's Ellie. Right. It's immediately, yeah. like, it's it just, it's Ellie, and to hear her talking to baby Ellie after she gives birth, and I thought it, the fact that we got, like, the confirmation of, Oh, Ellie's mom was bit as she was giving birth. The, and then the she cut the umbilical cord and there so like, there was like a little, little bit, bit of cordyceps in her yeah. blood and like just that whole plot element now kind of making sense of something that was rather ambiguous I think within the universe right. of like you could put two and two together maybe or like have your suspicions about how, what happened right. but it was cool to give kind of official confirmation to well, the setup of the right. series, you know, the big in the game, they said that it had, after she was bitten, it had mutated inside of her brain. And I think that maybe they were, maybe they just never said, but like that, that mutation was spurred by the fact that in in the show, they had a different explanation, which was that it registered, she was basically essentially vaccinated right. by um, that. Um, I think it's... Another thing in the game, it's more of, like, this is a one-in-a-million thing. Like, these mutations are completely spontaneous. Sure. And it's irreplicable. But the idea that, like, oh, you just have to uh, give birth to a baby and then get bit while still attached to the baby and then immediately cut the umbilical cord and then we have to kill the baby. Yeah. Which is, like... I mean, it's it's you can you can replicate that. No one <laughs> will ever let you, but... <laughs> Um, no, it's wild. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, it it was just a really, a beautiful choice, I think. And it, it, I do every time Ashley, I see Ashley Johnson talk, I'm just like, whoa, that's a, unnerving. Yeah. Well, because it's <laughs> like she's not she doing a voice. Like yeah, and it's just her voice. Because like on the other end of the the spectrum, Troy Baker, his normal speaking voice is not it's Joel's not, voice. Yeah, he's doing a vocal fry. Which, like, he's incredibly talented, and his voice's vocal performance as Joel is amazing, and seeing him in the show is amazing, but Ashley hit on a different level for me yeah. because it's like, oh, my God, it's Ellie with Ellie, her, her you know, yeah. her mom, her character's name is Anna, but, like, seeing Ellie and Anna on screen together right. I just thought was beautiful, and um, Ashley Johnson got to come on the HBO recap podcast with yeah. Troy Baker and the, the showrunners and it was really cool hearing her talk about Bella and Pedro and how much she believed in their performance and it yeah it was amazing to hear Neil Druckmann talk about like how much that mattered to him to have 
the buy-in of everyone who was involved with the game because right. they poured so much of their life into it. Yeah. And yeah, that was just really, really cool. Absolutely. I also think we saw that with Merle Dandridge too. Being yeah. Her performance Marlene's. in that, in that finale episode too, and getting to see her interact with Anna just really fleshed out that whole, yeah. whole story for me. She too. did such an incredible oh, job as Marlene. Amazing. It didn't matter that she didn't really look the way that Marlene looked exactly in the game. Um, with the, though they did the costume. What do you mean? Uh, she, she looked, like beat she looked exactly to me I, more like the facial structure but it's her face but she was younger at the time i think that i see what it. you mean i she see didn't look mean. okay but yeah, yeah, yeah. but the voice and yeah. her acting and i think it was so absolutely spot on that we both didn't realize until the end of that episode where we saw the the like behind the episode and she had her hair straightened was wearing like normal outside of the apocalypse people clothes we're like oh shit is that Zarina from Truth Be Told? We didn't yeah, realize we it's the same actress. Apple TV Plus as because well. Because she was yeah. just Marlene in the show. Yeah, she and we were like, truly embodied that on. character in every <laughs> yeah, sense. No, it's really, incredible. really incredible. I want to give just like a couple, because I want to get to our kind of predictions for season two and some kind of unpacking about the franchise as a whole. But yeah. I want to give just like some rapid fire shout outs to the set designs in mm-hmm. this show. I think are incredible. They recreated that mall Bill and Frank's town, Jackson, Jackson, and they just, you felt immediately in the world within this 3D space of the show, and I just thought it was incredible. The costume design, I thought the music was really amazing. We didn't talk about that within the Bill and Frank episode, but I loved the musical through line there. I loved the little notes notes of, um, you know, bands like AHA that are incredibly important to the franchise as yeah. we continue on into part two. And Pearl Jam. Um, Pearl, Jam Pearl Jam, The Cure, you, you know what I mean? You get these just amazing little nods yeah. to the series. And I just thought it was so intentional. It was so smart. It was so wet, tastefully done in just the best way, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other... I for the, uh, next I really want to get into some predictions for season two. Yeah. But do you have any other impressions or thoughts you want to get? There out is there actually for one thing one? we didn't talk about. Yeah, please. Um, and that is the a couple of episodes in Kansas City. I think we both had a similar thought that we thought that there was just a little bit too much time spent on Kathleen's character, and it didn't feel wholly necessary for the backstory of Sam and Henry. I think for me, I felt like once we had seen all of the arc with. Sam and Henry by the end of episode five, I felt fine, fine with the amount of time we spent. But in the moment in episode four, I was like, I want to get to Sam and Henry. I, I don't necessarily need all of this backstory, but I think as, as a whole, I think it was cool and interesting to flesh out those characters a little bit, give names, give backstory because in the game, they're kind of just faceless bad people, you know? So I think it's fun to have some motivation there. Um, after, we also didn't talk about Tommy's right. episode in Jackson. Before we move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, no, please. Um, after replaying that section of the game, I think this is the one section of the show where I think that the change that they made, in fact, for me, didn't elevate it, and mm, I prefer the game. I think that I would have preferred another vignette-style Bill and Frank-style episode about Ish and his community in the sewers, because after replaying that section, like, it's just so rich. Um, 
and I could have I could have had none of Kathleen's character. Something that was really interesting in the game that I didn't notice the first time around when you go through the the hunter section is um and you find it all through like the notes and environmental storytelling like things that are written on the walls and you know someone runs past like oh shit is that them um or the things people say um well you know you're starting off combat encounters little yeah. things is that right before Joel and Ellie get there there's this family they're called tourist people who are just passers through there's this family um and who it gets torn apart by the hunters and the mom just went crazy and killed a bunch of them trying to escape mm-hmm. um and eventually they did get them all at the very like Joel and I, we see that they're running they're running there's two of them left and we see them get gunned down and i just think that like for me that was enough and then like the little notes of like i don't want to be doing this or like at one point there was like a note where the some of the hunters it was like clearly this was from back when they first started like they overthrew the qz and uh they're kicking out all the children and all the weak and they're just like kicking them to the curb bye you're gone or telling them that you have to kill them like oh we have this family we don't have any use for kids get rid of them like this horrible stuff and like i don't want to be doing this but i have nowhere else to go um and you see that they're just like just people um i think that that was enough for me and they could have done that on the show and not i would i didn't need this whole kathleen thing that's where i stand with no that's fair i like i said it didn't it didn't detract, but I, I agree. I didn't necessarily need her storyline either. But I missed Ish. I just thought they paid such a beautiful homage to Ish in the Sam and Henry episode. But I, I don't disagree. I would have loved a vignette episode with Ish. But that said, I enjoyed what we got. Um, I, I do want to briefly touch on the um, Tommy episode. Because yeah. just getting to see Jackson was, was so incredibly cool. cool. Um, we also get kind of a hint at Dina being being a shout out there and it it was just really cool to like that conversation that ellie and joel have in the bedroom where joel is trying to leave ellie with tommy and she says everyone in my life has has left me except for you and just that line and the way they recreated that bedroom i thought just looked incredible and the attention to detail once again in the town i just thought was really really impressive oh also shout out to acknowledging that menstruation happens in the apocalypse oh, yeah. thanks this for show that last as a whole was really forward thing in that yeah. sense of like yeah what 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 what's happening here and like he's like fuck yeah i found tampons you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and like um and maria gives her the the diva cup thank you i, I would didn't know what it was called to be honest that's fair i would have been Really impressed? Really surprised. Or, okay. <laughs> if you Fair enough. <laughs> um, I feel like I know more than the average male, but, you know, neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, yeah, I think that the, just like, once again, the world feels lived in. Yeah, it just feels authentic. She, um, Maria gives Ellie a haircut because her yeah. hair's been growing. Just stuff like that. And I thought their dialogue back and forth, too. Like, just the little moments yeah. in this show, I think, were really, really incredible. I also really, really loved her casting. I think she, she was Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but yeah, all in all, just so incredible. We also didn't really oh. touch on Anna Torv. No. And her performance as Cass. But I thought she was exceptional. Um really loved seeing her character and getting to spend a little bit more time with Tess. I And I liked that we got a little nod to her, too, in the Bill and Frank episode. So once again, yeah. getting to see that, her performance. I think the one moment I do not stand by is that weird kiss thing that happened with her and the uh, clicker. 
Yeah, that was awkward. That was awkward. But she did a really she did a really great job. And oh, and we got to see Ellie's horse who had just been born. Shimmer. That was so oh, cool. <laughs> that was amazing. That that but that's where the show really sang for me was those little moments and um it it just was incredibly incredibly well done. And like we said, how it ends with Ellie the simple okay and yeah, just that was perfect. bringing it all back and just the perfect ending to a really amazing season of television. I think it's going to clean up at the Emmys. I can't wait to see yeah, what better. happens there. And incredibly excited for the future of this show. That said, what are your predictions for season two? They've announced that they're splitting part two up into multiple seasons. They haven't said how many seasons you presume. Two, two. maybe yeah. three. I would be really surprised if it were three. Um, I could see it because there's just, if they do in a similar way, getting into predictions, if in a similar way they choose to expand upon certain characters and really give characters their moment, like full spoilers, maybe we'll get an entire episode where it's a flashback with Abby's dad when she's young. Maybe we'll get an entire episode devoted to her friends like Manny and Mel and Owen. What were the, uh, the name of the siblings from the Seraphites? Lev's oh, Lev and, and Yara. Yara, that's what like, it was. Yara. That's what I mean. There's just so many characters within part two that if they wanted to, they definitely could what, really what if they, what if they have it, blow it out. One season of Ellie's journey and it cuts with Abby shooting Jesse in the head. And then season three is Abby's journey up to the point where she shoots Jesse in the head. And then season four is everything that happens after that. No way. The, here's my one, my biggest prediction that I'll make. There's no way that they do season two is all Ellie's journey. And season, season three, three is, is all Ab- Abby's Abby. journey. It's going to be intertwined. I think it's it will be. be. I messy. think it'll be fully intertwined. And I think they have to because you can't. In order to make Abby a compelling character that resonates with people. You have to you not You can't be able just to build up stop. Ellie for an entire season yeah. and then flip all to a character that you are are yeah built built to hate you have to i think that what the show is gonna have to find a way to do is what the game made you do which is it made you hate abby and then you have to play as her for a a really long time and you have to be her and sit with her and you have to do that in order to finish the game and many people chose to just not finish the game but it is so much easier to choose to not finish a tv show than it is to not finish a game so they have to they have to find another way to make you sit with Abby's character without making it easy. Is like, all right, here's this. This whole episode is Abby. Choose not to watch it if you want. I think they're gonna have to yeah, mix it. That's what I. That's definitely my prediction. Episode, I know. I think the thing that's gonna be interesting is like I think setting up the hate for Abby is going to be relatively straightforward. In it's a sense not hard that to the, do. <laughs> with, at the end of the first episode, Joel is going to die. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a pretty safe bet. If that's not how they ended it, I would be pretty shocked. Um, I think it's how they introduce Abby and to me, what moments they choose to jump kind of back and forth. And I think what moments they choose to expand upon. And I'm, I'm really just excited because I, I, last of us part two is my favorite game of all time yeah and so i'm just excited to see what additional context and story beats we can add one prediction i have i think i think it's safe that we'll get at least one episode 
where we see Lev and Yara living amongst the Seraphites. And I think they'll... Yeah, they'll, I think that that is a really Neil Druckmann loves bet. to humanize the villains, in a sense, and I think we will get to see... And that was such, like, a rich part of that game there's that was so much like just culture within on. their cult lifestyle like you know what i yeah. mean like there's just so much there obviously i think we'll spend a lot of time with abby and the and owen and the and people Mel. of the wlf i think we'll get to see flashbacks from both of their lives and i think we'll really get to sit rat in king. these huh rat king what rat king rat king oh god <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll really get to sit with some beautiful moments between Joel and Ellie. Because I really hope they keep the the museum. Oh, absolutely. Scene because that was and they and they really because that was gorgeous. But if you think about it, like that's an episode, and the, that flashback is an yeah, episode, and that zebra scene with Abby and her dad, and right. how he saves. But yeah. each of those, in my mind, is an episode that you're expanding upon. So that's where I'm like, it could very well be two full seasons. And they, they really got to do the shot of Abby walking down the hall. Yep. To find her dad. There, there's, a, there's a lot of incredible... One cameo we didn't talk about in season one was that Laura Bailey, who voices Abby, was one yeah, of the nurses. that's cool. Which, I don't know if you knew this, or I told you this, but Laura Bailey also originally was one of the nurses in the game. Oh, I didn't and know that. And she played That's a cool. couple different characters. She played the nurse. Yeah, no, I noticed she that. She played the newscaster. That she was credited in the as first additional game. voices. And so she was additional voices. And so then in the second game, Neil Druckmann was like, you were so good in the first game, we have to find a more substantial role for you. And then that led to Abby, which is really, really cool. That is really cool. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly excited to see... Um, who they cast for Abby. Do you have any predictions as far as who you think I saw a friend of the show, Cam Hawkins post on Twitter right after the finale. He's starting a campaign for Peyton list from Cobra Kai who plays Tori. I, I think she'd be really good. I don't necessarily think they're going to go with her. I've seen other folks on the internet really going after, um, Shannon Barry, who I've never seen any of her work, but she's on the Amazon prime show, the wilds. That's okay. pretty popular right now. And, Physically, when you see a photo of her, it's like, I could see it. I could see it. And apparently she follows Neil Druckmann on mm -hmm. Twitter. So everyone was like, oh, my God, they've spoken, yeah. you know, which I just neither think, here nor there. But I think what we've seen from season one is that it's way less about the person who already looks like the character and way more about if the person can embody that character's mannerisms yeah, and like, attitude. I because Bella Ramsey does not look like Ellie. But when Bella Ramsey plays she Ellie. She does to an extent, but not like... But like, exactly. A lot of times with fan castings, they're looking for the actor sure. who you could do a side by side image and be like, "These are the same people," and that's right. not the case. No, it's, it's just more not. about performance. It's about when when she plays Ellie or when they play Ellie, you see those mannerisms and you see that character come alive through Bella Ramsey's acting, and that's Definitely. same with everybody, everybody yeah, um, in the show um, who did that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another interesting discussion that has cropped up this whole last week, um, Neil Druckmann has been doing a lot of video game press talking about, um, the show he was on kind of funny to do a full spoiler cast of the show. And an interesting topic that cropped up was the obvious question of what Naughty Dog is working on is, are they working on Last of Us Part 3? Mm -hmm. And he essentially was like, obviously I'm not going to say anything here, we are working on a project that we were most excited about. And after the development of last of us part two, they explored multiple concepts 
but, uh, including sequels, including new ideas, including different ideas within the studio. So that said, what are your plot predictions for a Last of Us Part Three? What would you want to see? Like we've talked and about this, this kind of we have, before. but I I want to kind of reframe the discussion within the lens of the show because they have openly said Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin that they don't plan to continue the show past where the games go. Right. So I think it's pretty obvious in my mind with the success of the games, with the success of the show that I think it may not be their next project, but I definitely think it is a project in the works I also think within the studio. So I'm just curious, like if the show kind of, and having just played part one and thinking about part two right now, like if it's changed your overall outlook yeah. on the franchise and what would make sense. HBO loves shows that are three seasons long. So I could really see them making game two, seasons two and three. And then if game three is not out, they put the show on hiatus and never resume. Or they sure. just end the show after season three. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily... Which I could really see happening. Yeah, honest, it'll be interesting so. to see what happens. Um, unless they're working on part three right now and it's <laughs> going to come out in the meantime, which I guess is also possible. But yeah, I think I, it's I think, likely. To be I honest, think that I, it, I do. It I really is likely do. because I think that there was as just. I think that you, at, speaking as a, a creator of worlds, you write sure. you 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 come up with the world for a one off story and you think oh there's there's more to tell here, and then you write more and the more that you write like expands the world tenfold sure. you only uncover more and more that you right. write about when you do that um i think that part three i think this is something that i think would be really interesting whether they do it or not um would be for it to follow abby and lev lev i couldn't remember if it was lover i need to replay that game <laughs> i um, i want to play it i think after the show i'm like hyped to jump into both of them again abby oh yeah i'm gonna do that next um because i just finished anyway uh abby and lev trying to find the rest of the fireflies mm -hmm. and then maybe doing that and the the quest to the continue looking for that, a, a yeah. cure or yeah whatever um i think that it could really just follow the two of them i think especially since you know the idea of i think that would be a really interesting way to recapture the spirit of the last of us part one where you are joel uh big scary dude accompanying sure. a fragile child <laughs> yeah that you want to protect um on a dangerous mission i think that could you know encapsulate that too yeah absolutely i think that that was my first prediction as well and then my second prediction that i think is also a viable option for them to explore it's also a viable option for them to explore both of these ideas but i think it would be a pretty compelling story to see Similar in the first game when we saw a 20-year time jump with Joel, I think it would be pretty interesting to see a 20-year time jump with Ellie from where we left her at the end of part two and see her as an older adult. She has experienced a lot of trauma in her life. She has been through a lot. It'd be curious to see where at that point she's at in her relationship with yeah. Dina, if they're still together, if she's still involved in JJ's life. He'll be an adult, a young adult in his own right at that point, and kind of the interpersonal relationships there. And I think there's something to be said about like, where is she at in her life? Has she found inner peace? Maybe there's something to be said of then she decides to find the fireflies and she doesn't feel content with kind of settling down or like, yeah. what has she done with her life? 
Yeah, I don't know. That feels less obvious to me than the Levin or Levin uh, Abbey. Yeah. I think that feels like the more straightforward story, but I don't think Naughty Dog always goes for the straightforward. Yeah, I kind of don't want that because both part one and part two dealt with such intense themes, like the, the nature of love and finding your family, the nature of the cyclical nature of violence. Like it's, it, they're, they're freaking intense. And I just want Ellie to have some goddamn peace. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. want the, but the Last of Us games are all about the, like the conflict and the combat. And that's what makes them, the, the gameplay was so much fun to play. Um, but also gut wrenching. I just want, I just want Ellie to sit on a farm, Dina or no Dina, I hope Dina, um, and just chill the fuck out. I guess I just need to know what happens with her one way or another. It could be it could be a brief flash in the midst of a story that is not about her journey. I would just anymore. say it's I would say next to impossible for her not to be a main character or major side character in a Last of Us Part Three. What I think if you to call Tommy it Last of Us Part Two. Three, um, he gets like shot in the leg and then he's like, or the eye or yeah, shot in right? the eye. He and then an he's eye. like, has trouble walking and stuff. So and then he's he like, comes back to the farmhouse and he's the one who has the lead on Abby, which is why right. Ellie goes back out. Right. Cause he can't go. Right. And we don't know if he is still alive when we come back, but no, he's still alive. Why wouldn't he be? Well, exactly. But he also might not be because it's like in the apocalypse and he's old. So, oh, I see. Um, Just like hypothetically. Right. Sure. Sure. Maybe he's got something to do with it. I don't the know. other thing too within that story is maybe the playable character in my my pitch is you play as JJ. Could be, yeah. but Ellie is a main like supporting character. Maybe in you're, his story. maybe Ellie is the Joel and JJ is the Ellie, and they're trying to go on a quest for some reason or something. Maybe JJ gets wind of the fireflies and. Like, I, I think there's a world where, like, Abby and Ellie's story connects in a meaningful way, but maybe it's through maybe Lev and JJ, you know what I mean? Maybe Abby finds the fireflies, and they're like, okay, we figured it out again. We can do the cure. We found somebody else who can do it. We just need her. And then Abby has to go get Ellie. I There is, that's kind of where I was leading to of, like, I think the ultimate... The, the penultimate moment, or not penultimate, but I think the ultimate moment of The Last of Us, I could see after everything that's happened, now that Joel is gone, Ellie is finally allowed to make her own choice and she, she chooses but that, that self-sacrifice. the importance of the end of the first game? I don't no, know. No, because I think that was Joel's story and that represents that time and that place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and... I think he, like you said, the ambiguity, he wanted to save her because he loved her more than anything in that moment, and she didn't get to make her own choice, but Joel's no longer in the picture, and this part three, we're envisioning that it would be kind of a poignant moment to have Ellie go out on her own terms after she's literally lost everything. I don't know. There's something potentially there. I, I'm the, the The thing with all of this is that I never thought there needed to be a Last of Us Part 2, but Naughty Dog proved me wrong. So right. if they deem The Last of Us Part 3 as a worthy successor, I'm incredibly interested to see how they're going to approach that and where they're going to take the narrative, excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, oh. Anything? Yeah, one yeah, other go thing. Ahead. In the show, Maria is pregnant. So Ooh, how is that going to work that's out? That's true. Because in the game, they don't have kids. 
So I'm That's really true. intrigued to see where that ends up. Maybe part three of the game, they did have kids. Well, and, and if she's pregnant, and then Last of Us Part Two takes place about four or five years later, yeah, that, that kid's gonna be hypothetically yeah, assuming everything is okay, goes okay with, okay her pregnancy. with the pregnancy, yeah. But you have to imagine it will once again hypothetically because Maria's still ja- alive. Well, Maria is still alive in Jackson. They have so many resources and facilities yeah. and. Probably but doctors without, that live in that town. But without modern medicine, pregnancy is such a dice roll. Sure. No, I'm not saying there's not risks. I'm just saying, even, hypothetically, even it, it would be... No. All, I I just don't see them, like, rewriting the narrative so a character that was present in part two is, like, no longer there. That no, doesn't really No, I definitely think that, that Maria will still be there. I'm just more thinking about that. Sure. Um, it would be interesting if their child is a character in yeah. part three of the game because they work it into the game after well because at that the point show. then we have a lot of like but 20 early 20s yeah. year old kids between right. lev yara right. or i'm sorry not yara lev, lev JJ, and jj and then the younger child which would be um lev being the like na- the a solid Maria 15 years older than kid. jj yeah but in the game maria and tommy are both pretty old Maria's pretty old in the game. I think they're like 50. That's old to be having kids, though. Well, in the second game, I would say they're like 50. So I'd say they're like 40, which is pretty... Still pretty old to be having kids. Yeah. I think that they would... um... But I kind of think they they set that up in the show as like, this is a rare, like, kind of a wild thing. Yeah. In a sense. I'm just saying, I don't think that they would write it into part three of Maria got pregnant after the events of part two, because I think she's too old at that point. Stepping back a little bit, too, it also seems like they're kind of going with a younger Tommy and Maria in the show, I would say. They do seem a bit younger. I think that that Joel was a bit younger, too. We didn't talk about... Because he said... Never mind. Sorry. That was in 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 the game. He was a teenager. When Sarah was a child. Yeah, I was just going to say we didn't talk about Tommy's performance, but Gabriel Luna did a really, yes. really nice job as well. In addition, like just every Everybody cast was, was just so really well on. casted, really well acted, really excellent. Yeah. I think we'll be talking about The Last of Us on this podcast for Forever. a long, long time <laughs> to no come. End There's to no end to this conversation. This is not The Last of Us. Uh... Yeah, we got to end now. We got to turn off the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. But. Um, that was a really fun discussion. Should we jump into questions with Claire? Let's do it. Uh, what video game moment would you like to see reimagined in a live action television series? Or just live action in general? Doesn't have to be TV. It's hard to narrow it down to one moment. I can think about <laughs> like games that I think would be really cool shows and that I would like to see get the HBO treatment. I guess, like, right off the jump, I think of um, Life is Strange True Colors, just in terms of, like, a very cinematic game, very narrative-focused, character-driven experience. The only thing that's kind of interesting with something like that is that there's so much choice-based gameplay that it would be kind of tricky to adapt because you'd have to pick one true canon, which kind of negates the whole premise of the game, having multiple choices that you influence the story. That said, I do think the game has really well-written characters that it would be cool to see realized in live action. Yeah. Um, do you have anything that comes to mind, like, immediately? Well, for me, when I'm talking about, um, like, moments mm-hmm. reimagined, I think that there are so many incredible moments in Subnautica mm, and Below that's Zero. That's interesting. Where you, like, round a corner in your ship or your free dive or whatever, and, yeah. you, like, this 
enormous cavern full of bioluminescent like mushrooms yeah. or whatever and it's just like holy shit to see that realize what the full full force of a um well-funded and well-paid vfx team sure i think about <laughs> would like be incredible. coming off of avatar way of the water like yeah the water effects and technology that were realized Avatar, in that way film. of the water. You mean Avatar Subnautica <laughs> version? Most I feel like I feel like we were watching Avatar and I was like, okay, that wasn't Subnautica, and that wasn't Subnautica, and that wasn't Subnautica. I was like, he just, right. just ripped off Subnautica with the blue people. <laughs> Love it. I I guess I mean just like I, the technology is there to really yeah. pull off the scope and scale yeah. and breathtaking nature of that game. So that's yeah. a, that's a good pull. Absolutely. I think that there there are a lot of games that have the, the really intense, visually beautiful Yeah, for nature, sure. You know. Fuck it would be cool for to, to have like the Elder Scrolls world imagined in video games. Yeah, for sure. I coming off of The Last of Us, I'm just like inspired and I hope more um studios choose to take a stab at really meaningful and authentic video game adaptions yeah. Can, and yeah absolutely can you imagine the tree in elden ring oh like in live action yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it'd be epic as hell but there's certain things where it's like i don't need a video game adaption of everything but right. i want them to be this meaningful this authentic this well done and this level of like thought and intentionality right. yeah. behind it so I love seeing the HBO treatment for one of my favorite gaming yeah. franchises. So Absolutely. hope to continue to see the trend. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, Claire, I really enjoyed this chat about Me one too. of our favorite shows of the year and one of our favorite games of all time. Really, really awesome stuff. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so Fine much for joining as always. And listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Some quick housekeeping items for you. Please subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice. We are now officially on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. If you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lukewarmgames for exclusive podcasts and more. You can go ahead and follow at lukewarmgames on Twitter to get the latest updates on our show. And with that, have a fantastic week. Cheers and happy gaming.